0: Yeah, si senor. Welcome back. This is all Chogyam Trumpa, the unofficial, official podcast. And this is your host, Aureliano Nava. So, Aureliano, what are you going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about Dharma jacking Chogyam Trumpa. A word of advice? The mind is quick and it's even quicker at drawing conclusions. So, um, you might allow me to wrap things up at the end for you. Most likely you are interested in Chogyam Trumpa or are a student of Chogyam Trumpa, though you may not be, maybe just uh, by accident. Happened to have uh, selected this podcast, but, If you are familiar with Jagim Trimpa and the Shambhala community, you are most likely aware that there's a present crisis in the community, that uh, there are these allegations of misconduct against its present leader, the Sakyan Mipam, and this has stirred things quite a lot, especially in social media. And uh, a whole lot of stuff is surfacing, some dead fish and some pretty live fish. Some of the stuff that is coming up, quite frankly, I don't get and it seems kind of boring for me and could easily be put in the category of ah, uh, it's just complaining and gossiping and just a whole bunch of nonsense. And some of it does address these long-held perceptions about the community that... Uh, are quite valid in their own way. Some of these concerns revolve around the organization itself, the model, and uh, others revolve around the leadership, not just the broad leadership as a whole, but the leadership in some of the Shambhala centers. And I just would like to share a few of them with you. With respect to the organization itself, how people are selected, people in leadership positions that are entrusted with teaching responsibilities, there's this perception that this uh, empowerment model is somewhat antiquated and that uh, finally, perhaps, there will be the opportunity to address it. And uh, well, with respect to the people in the centers, there's this long-held perception that these leaders, people with the most, uh, well, um, say so, and uh, are in the center of decision-making, that these people and decision-making and leadership and teaching rows are too often from an elite type of class, that they are, for the most part, very well off, that they are very educated, that they dress in this formal attire at times that simply puts people off, that uh, a lot of people just simply don't identify with, that uh, they tend to be arrogant and don't have social skills. They put people off, not too welcoming, especially for newer type of practitioners that step into these centers, and that's how they are often selected. That uh, that process is questionable, that they are selected on the basis of who they know and how well they are connected with others that uh, are in the in-group, in the inner circle of these centers. And that on top of that, that they are mostly white. So, amigos, if this is true, if it's like this, then we have here on our hands what's called a chingado kind of situation and it's bad news and we need a revolucion and I am willing to be your Pancho Villa. <music> but before we dharma jack Chogyam Trumpa and his teachings, and pick up our pitforks and our sickles and start our revolucion we should step back a little bit, pause a bit and reflect upon what we are about to take over. So for now I would suggest that uh, we just uh, take a good look at what we are about to inherit as we take over and when it comes down to it, like or not It amounts to this container that the Shambhala centers represent for these teachings. Because uh, after all, we do find these teachings precious. Otherwise, we would not be interested in Chögyam Trungpa Rinpoche. So we are, like it or not, have to address what this container for these teachings entails and how we are going to inherit that and uh, continue to represent that, well, better, I would say. As you are well aware, all genuine revolutions bring with them fundamental change. And as your leader, I already have prepared an agenda that will bring about fundamental change. So some of the changes that uh, some of the old school stuff that is long due to be replaced For something that is more current and modern, our revolutionary agenda will do away with the three evils of impermanence, dissatisfactoriness, and the no-self nonsense. Okay, and that is, by the way, our new revolutionary call to action musical anthem, I have some great news for you. Before I elaborate on how we are ridding ourselves of this old school list of evils, walking meditation has got to go. It's just a waste of time, and instead, centers will incorporate cappuccino and espresso breaks where people can relax and socialize before going back and sitting. And now for the details of how we are getting rid of these three evils. What do you mean we can't improve on our fundamental experience? Self-versioning will be immediately adopted. We will immediately start a GitHub master repository where the best version of ourselves can be branched, forked, improved and then merged into a new version for all our members to download so that we have a best new version of ourselves That includes the best versions of everyone else. This might take some time to figure out, but it's the future of TSVC, True Self-Version Control. A better you awaits. And that is our revolutionary slogan. A new you awaits. I hope you like it. Obviously TSVC is needed so that all that old school nonsense that is so antiquated and it's just part of the old regime that would just like for us to believe that we can't version our fundamental condition by versioning in better speculations that will alter it to suit that new you that awaits. The great thing about TSVC is that we can rid ourselves of the impermanence evil. I think you're catching on to this TSVC, True Self Version Control. I think you can see that we're going to be able to strike down these three evils with one revolutionary stroke. This whole thing about dissatisfaction, old school antiquated, why can't we just version in satisfaction? All that's required is versioning in a new speculation, a new metaphysical layer, layered on top of that uh, fundamental experience, that fundamental condition, It's old school. And you have a new context of satisfaction, it's beautiful. And, of course, last but not least, the daddy of them all, no self. Bullshit. Again, it's just part of uh, the old school, that old self we are replacing with our revolution. An antiquated motto that needs to be reversioned, and we're doing that. The new you is awaiting by Merley. Relayering your fundamental condition with a new speculative metaphysics bang boom done a new you has been conceived okay enough of this nonsense i need to cut this out because i'm beginning to discover that when you are trying to be too funny you uh at some point just you stop being funny so cut it out aureliano nava Stop this. Okay, so where does this leave us? This container that the Shambhala centers represent, I think you suspect by now, I think that that when it comes down to it, this external environment, at least initially, is very protective of not allowing us to do precisely this kind of thing with ourselves, because as we come into this restrictive environment that this practice represents initially, we're coming out of a situation where all our life we have <laughs> just done it the wrong way. All our, all our life has been this sequence of attempting to find ways to improve our basic condition, our basic situation in life. And the very effort, the very lifelong effort to do so has led to a lot of suffering. And so initially facing that suffering directly, stabilizing our situation enough in that sitting cushion so that gradually, little by little, we can recognize that we can ease up on that very effort to version ourselves into a more improved us. Oh, I don't know about you, but I really think that this situation, this initial environment, this initial container that uh, allows beginning practitioners to ease up on that drive, on that determination, on that pool to improve their basic condition about themselves is so fundamentally important, it is so uh, precious that uh, that should be the criteria for this, these Shambhala centers or any other Buddhist center, that to the extent that they fulfill that mission to create a protective environment so that people have the opportunity to ease up on that on that cruelty, that that barbaric thing that we do to ourselves that is so merciless with us, uh, that leads us literally to, at times, kill ourselves, that having the opportunity to relax into a different kind of situation about ourselves and be able to do that, That should be the criteria for how we judge these centers. Having said this, of course I would like for there to be some structural improvement on the general organization of the Shambhala centers. And if an outcome of this Me Too movement and this present crisis results in those structural improvements, then... That would be a good thing. But keeping in mind that perfect, well-organized centers could very well shy away from supporting this kind of container that is very challenging and very difficult. And the view that goes along with that in support of this practice, it's very difficult to maintain because our human drive to improve our basic situation is so powerful. We can see how this hope, this snake oil is being marketed. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and there are so many Uh, present-day coaches out there, and so many even gurus and religious leaders and religious institutions, and this is what they're selling. Okay, so, as far as these Shambhala centers are concerned, as long as they remain faithful to maintaining this support of this container, who cares who these people are? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who cares if they're filthy rich and who cares if they're well-dressed and well-groomed and highly educated and they're all white? Who cares if they're monkeys? Who cares if they're baboons? As long as they don't lose sight of their mission, as long as they don't lose sight of what they are supposed to be supporting, as long as the view of what they're supposed to be supporting is not lost and is not compromised. Again, I do wish that significant structural changes are made, that they become more transparent and more democratic and more participatory, and that the diversity of the decision-making body of these centers and these teachers in these centers is expanded. I mean Come on, who does not want that to be an outcome of this present crisis? I do firmly believe that the Shambhala centers will overcome this crisis, that they will come out at the other end as stronger and more focused on what their mission is. And as far as these people that are presently running these centers and teaching in these centers, all these volunteers, these are good people for the most part. And they dedicate so much time and so many weekends into these programs. And basically, it's a thankless task. It's a thankless mission. And, you know, very few times probably people go up to them and really demonstrate some kind of appreciation for their dedication and for what they do. So, no, I I really don't think that uh, these perceptions about these centers are quite what they sometimes seem to be. Okay, we have finally come to the end of this episode. For now, I hate to share with you that uh, I have to decline being your Pancho Villa and leading this revolution because it's, uh, well, premature and we just have to wait and see what the structural changes of the Shambhala organization will amount to. But Uh, I just would like you to know that if my services are needed, I will certainly accept the mantle for the revolution. Please subscribe to this channel so that when I produce my next episode, and I will, you are notified. Adios, amigos.